you've paid any attention at all, you'd recognize that we're confused. Most of all, you. It doesn't take long looking at society, spending time amongst people, just listening. You don't even have to say anything. Just listen for a while. And you'll find out that people are confused about a lot of issues. Let me name some of them for you. Money. Advice. Drugs. Sex. Gender. Sports. Social media. And who's allowed to purchase it. Parenting. Children. How about war? A lot of confusion about that going on. Sanctions, choosing sides, supporting causes, even education. In fact, some people have gone so far as to even be confused about what is real. What is reality? And that makes people especially confused about what is eternity. That's a problem. And here's the reason why we know that it's all confusing, because it's all being abused. In every one of those headings that I just listed for you, you will find abuse out of this world that sits just comfortably, and what sadly is acceptably, in every one of those situations. That's how we know it's not understood. No one can use life right. Why can't we just use life right? It's been given to every one of us. I know that because you're all looking at me. We're all breathing the same air. So what's the problem? The sad thing is, is being confused about these things causes anxiety, sadness, loneliness or purposeful isolation, depression. This is every day that we deal with. All because we have confusion about basic subjects. We live in a world that likes to neglect people. We live in a world that loves to compromise. Somehow we've been taught that if we meet in the middle, that's the best place to be. I think somebody lied to us. And I think that he's been lying to us from the beginning. And I think he uses every opportunity that he can to lie to us so that we will never come to a knowledge of the truth. I don't think that God wants a hopeless existence for any person. And I think that he stepped forward into history to show you why. I think that God has made the difference. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're either not aware of what he's done, which I'm hoping to clear up today, or you don't care what he's done. And that is far, far worse. So I'm going to do something today that I cringe at doing. I am going to share two verses with you, and I'm starting in the middle of a sentence for the first one, and I'm not finishing the sentence on the second one, and it's killing me, because context is key. But I think you'll see that it makes sense. Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to be at. I'm going to ask you to go to the very last verse in chapter 4. And we are going to be looking at 
verses 25, and then we're going to go straight into chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to stop there. Now, I've got a couple of other passages I want to show you to help explain what's going on, but this is what we're looking at. Let's read these two verses together real quick, and again, why does it sound weird? We're in the middle of a sentence, and we're not finishing a sentence. It's okay. You type A personalities, you're going to have a real hard time with this, okay? He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is my goal today. My goal is to be as clear and as simple in order to explain the gospel to you so that there is no confusion. Confusion is the problem. And I guarantee you this, if we are not confused about the gospel, all of these other areas that I've hit on already will become much less confusing moving forward. So let's break this down. If you're somebody who likes to take notes, we've provided one of these little note sheets for you. If you don't like to take notes, just look at me and smile. Okay? Number one, he. If you back up just a little bit, if you got your Bible out, you look in verse 24, you see that it's Jesus our Lord. That's who we're dealing with. God has got something for Jesus to do. He is the Son of God. He's been given on earth for you, for me, for a reason. It's the most important thing that we walk out of here knowing exactly what that is. And if there is any confusion once you hit that door, you need to come back and you need to talk to me afterwards so that it's crystal clear. I cannot tell you how badly that I desire for your heart to know this truth. Notice that he who was delivered over, he was delivered over. This is an odd term. And here's the reason why is because most of the time it's used with arresting somebody and handing them over to the federales, to the authorities. By the way, I'm a fun guy. Some of you don't know that. Some people have been going here for years don't know that. It's okay. But handing you over to the authorities so that justice will be served. Now, this is the incredible part of the gospel. Jesus was delivered over. Who delivered him? God did. His own father delivered him over. So that's not right. Parents, would you deliver over your children? Some of you are seriously thinking about it this morning. Right? But when we come back to earth, we say, no, I would not do that. God delivered over his son. Why? Well, I think the first reason is, is out of love. Now stop for a second. Does God love his son? Absolutely. Does God love you? What's the difference between you and his son? One word. Sin. That's the difference. There's many differences, but the major difference, when we talk about the person of Jesus on earth, we're talking about that sin is the difference 
Now, here's what's odd about this. If I were reading this fresh, I would expect Jeremy was delivered over. Now, I don't like the way that sounds, but I'll tell you this, it makes a whole lot more sense to me. Makes a whole lot more sense to me. So why is Jesus being delivered over instead of me? We'll talk about why we need to be delivered over here in a second. The number one thing is his love. Love is what motivates God to bypass me and you and bring Jesus forward to deliver him over for the sake of justice. That's an odd concept. That's just strange. That's like going through and saying guilty, 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 innocent. Let's take him. I would hope that there would be something in us that would look at that and go, wait a second, that's not right. What did they do wrong? Why do they deserve this? How could they go under such punishment? This is extreme. Kind of makes me thankful that my rightful place has not been taken place. It's God's love. A good verse for you to write down if you want to take a look at it. 1 John 4, 9. You don't have to turn there. We could have it up on the screen for you, no problem. By this, the love of God was manifested, made known to us, revealed. God wanted to say something to the entire world about how much he loved them. It's one of those things where sometimes people say it, but what you really want them to do is what? Show it. Is this on? Show it. I love you. Why do you keep doing messed up stuff all the time? Why do you keep throwing me under the bus? Show it. What does it look like? Well, the love of God was manifested to us. How? That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. Now, there's a major problem there. Because if Jesus came into the world so that I could live, what that's telling me in the get-go is that I'm not living. You say, wait a second, I'm here. I got in the car. I actually drove here or rode here. I'm here. If you don't know Christ, you're not living. That's the reality. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's cool. God does. In fact, God said so. In fact, God told us this truth, because he knows so much more than we could ever know in all of existence. So that we wouldn't miss it, even though it sits right here every day. Let me give you an example. What are the things that you live for? What are the things that are most important to you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes you say, I got to get the day started? Are you a job junkie? Is your career the pinnacle, end-all, be-all? I'll tell you this. It's sucking your life out of you. What little you have left, it's sucking it out of you. Guess what? One day your job's going to be gone. What are you going to do then? Well, I live for my kids. Give them 10 years. You won't like them so much. Just kidding. Mine are young, so I'm not there. It's good. Another 10 and you'll take them back. There you go. Notice how wishy-washy we are. Here, here. No, no, come here. 
You live for your kids. Are you going to get disappointed? Yeah. And so you've either got to make excuses or you've got to compensate. But there's got to be a solution there somewhere. Why? Because there's something that's just not right about banking all your hope in that. That could fail you in a moment's notice. Jesus is delivered over in order to demonstrate the love of God. Here's the other amazing thing why he's delivered over. Because God hates sin. See, here's our issue. God hates sin and he loves you. And neither one of those things ever changes. God will always hate sin. God will always love you. And so the friction comes down to, I can't reconcile this. Guess what? You can't. You weren't ever meant to. You won't. There's plenty of people that have undergone religious obstacle courses so that God will love them or save them or take care of them. Here's the amazing thing. God already loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn that. Believer or unbeliever, he already has it given to you fully and freely. You're already loved by him. How do you know? Because he took the greatest thing that he had and he delivered it over to justice. Did Jesus need justice? No, why is he there? If Jesus doesn't need justice, why is he handed over to the authorities? It makes no sense. No accusation would stick. Everybody's conscience would destroy them. You can't let an innocent person die. But this is what moves us on down through this verse. He who was delivered over, here's the reason, because of our transgressions. It's my fault. I'm to blame. I did it and I need to own it. I'm so thankful that Paul, when he wrote this, wrote the little word, our. You know what that tells me? It tells me that Paul stinks too. That's what it tells me. It tells me that he needed a Savior too. It tells me that he couldn't get it all together either. And you can read more about his life in the Word of God. He said there, man, didn't he need a Savior. Boy, don't I need a Savior. Our transgressions. What is a transgression? Transgression can be sin, but here's the interesting thing about this Greek word for transgression. It goes beyond the word of sin, and it actually deals with the idea of your hiking. And as you're hiking along down a path, you lose your footing. I was coming down the stairs this morning, and because I have dainty smooth feet, I slipped on the stairs about three feet, and boy... My four smaller toes on my right foot went right into the baby gate. And my big toe looked at me and said, what have you done? I said, I don't know, man, but that hurt. And I sat there for about five minutes making sure that I wasn't dead. I'm pretty dramatic, okay? But just making sure. I had transgressed in some way, if we want to be true to the word. I had lost my footing on the path, and it slipped right off of it. Did I intend to? No. It wasn't a conscious thought going, you know what, third from the bottom, we're slipping on that one, man. My wife would have rounded the corner and been like, you're an idiot, what? She does that anyway. But 
I'm just kidding. She thinks that she doesn't say it. But losing your footing, not intending, not desiring, it just happened. You know how quick it happened? It happened so quick that my eyebrows caught up with me later. <laughs> it was so quick I didn't have time to grab a hold of anything. You've been in a situation like that? It's so quick you don't even realize what happened until you stop and you pause and you think, what happened? And you've got to answer your own question. This is how deep it goes beyond transgressions. It's not premeditated, I can't wait to pour sugar in your gas tank kind of sin. Don't ever do that, by the way. It's not premeditated, I can't believe that person cut me off while I'm on the way to church. Don't they know it's Easter Sunday? It's not that premeditated. This is when I was not even in the midst of thinking about it or desiring it, it happened. Now, if that's the case, what that tells me is that sin has got a hold on me deeper than I can control. I bet the truth is the same for you as well. Now, let's use a common transgression that we all share. And that is chocolate. Okay? I'm not going to eat another piece of chocolate. See? Now you're either laughing at me, which is wrong. Okay? It was so funny because Cole walked in. He said, man, you're really growing. I said, yeah, I know. He's like, no, we're talking about the church. I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> he knows about my chocolate, right? So not. But as soon as you say, I'm not going to have another piece of chocolate. The only person stopping you is you, and you ain't stopping you, right? It's yours. You're going to have it. It's going to happen. We don't even have to think about it. We just do it. We don't even have to think about how we respond in trying situations. And we just do it, and we find out that we have offenses that rise up in relationships that now we're sitting back going, good grief, how in the world do I make this right? Here's the insane thing. We've got transgressions going on in our lives that we haven't even thought about, that we've offended God, that we don't even know about. How am I supposed to deal with my wrong that I'm not aware of that God sees fully and on display? I'm in a helpless situation because my intellect is so diminished regarding my sour behavior. What's amazing about that is it's not just in the things that I do. When I find how wrong I am in that, and yeah, you might keep away from the chocolate. You might reason it's not that good a chocolate. Oh, I came from Target, it's not that good. Let me ask you this. Is the strife still there? See, that's what's interesting. Is you don't even have to unwrap that foil and put it in your mouth, do you? When you know in the fact that you've had way too much chocolate, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not bad about eating chocolate. Eat chocolate. Eat it in moderation, right? But when we're going further in it, and I'm using, everybody understand I'm using chocolate for bigger sins that we don't want to talk about? Making sure. Chocolate's fun to talk about, though. I don't even have to eat it. The desire's still there. And sometimes it's insatiable. And what's it lie to us about? You know what? Just one more. I'll go away. I'll be quenched. Oh, won't. 
It doesn't happen that way with chocolate. It doesn't happen that way with alcohol. It doesn't happen that way with pornography. It doesn't happen that way with the person that you hate. It doesn't happen that way with the way that you feel like you've been talked bad about and the responses that you have for that. It still lies there. And its desire is to be satisfied. The inside of us is sin. It's not just in what I do. It's who I am that is offensive to God. Now don't forget, God loves me, but he hates my sin. And that'll never change. Something's got to happen. And the first thing that I'm hit with when I look at this end of a sentence is the fact that Jesus has been delivered over because of me. That little O-U-R is me. I'm in that. I'm included with Paul. Now think about that in relation to Jesus. I wrote some things down. Has Jesus ever incurred debt? No. Not one time. He was born of a virgin. He had no sin. Sin did not root in him like that. He's never displeased God, ever. God was never sorry for something that the Son has done. He's never done anything that was deserving of shame. He was never shamed by an act that he committed. And to me, here's the most amazing thing. He was never guilty. In fact, they tried to load a witness stand in order to convince people who were overseeing the proceedings that he's worthy of death. And Pilate had to go so far as to create this big scene and wash his hands. I find no wrong in this man. Why all the pomp and circumstance about a situation when he did nothing wrong? You know why? Because all of these things right here are us. It's us. Have I incurred debt? Yes. Do I have sin rooted in me? Yes. Am I displeasing to God? Yes. Have I done things that are shameful? Yes. Am I guilty? Yes. You can say it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. It's the truth. I know none of you are, but me. All right? Thanks. You can turn your hearing aid back down now. God delivering Jesus over is the spiritual solution to my transgressions, which is my spiritual problem. God wants to fix it. God's the only one that can fix it. And so he's got to get involved. And he does something interesting. Jesus dies on this cross for my sins, but he doesn't stay dead. You've got to have somebody there to vouch for you. So why not take the person who died and just raise him on up? He knows what you did. He had to pay for every bit of it. You go through your credit card statement, good grief. And no one person could eat out this much. What is going on? Honey, you need this much in shoes? Good Lord! Because when you got to write that large check and throw it down, credit cards are from the devil, by the way, but when you do that, you are quick to pull in accounts of everywhere the dollar 
went. How many of our sins does Jesus know? All of them. Let's go one deeper. How many of our transgressions does Jesus know? See, here's the amazing thing. I need somebody who knows the depths of darkness about me that I will never know so that every single area can be rectified with God. Otherwise, God and I aren't hanging out. He wants that because he loves me. But he can't have that because I sin. And I am sin. That's a problem. And that's a relationship that cannot happen unless something is done. I like Resurrection Sunday because everybody feels the need to dress up. And y'all look good. Normally, I'm the only one who's dressed up in here. That's how I feel. I'm going to come in jeans and t-shirt one day, see what you guys do. (laughs) Because Jay condoned that, it's a bad idea. Okay. I need somebody who knows it all about me. We dress up nice for Sunday. Does Jesus still see through that? Some of you look pretty. You knew I was talking about you. Maxine said, thank you. But does God see beyond that? It truly is only skin deep, isn't it? Sin is much deeper. So I've got to get somebody in on this situation that knows me deeper than myself. That knows the things that I'm hiding. Where I've locked the skeletons in the closet and thrown away the key a long, long time ago. Guess what? Jesus sees it all. He doesn't love you any less. He does not love you any less. So then, God does something amazing. Because he knows it all and because he paid for it all, he's going to raise him. So that he can stand in your stead. Because he's doing something brand new. One of my my most favorite words in all of the Bible. Notice, he was raised because, here's the reason of, our, there's that word again, justification. Everybody see that word? I love that word, justification. You're sitting around eating lunch. What'd you learn at church? Use the word justification. Dazzle your friends. Ooh, ah, okay? It's great. Justification, what does it mean? It means in the high courts of heaven, God stands as a judge. And he actually is able to look at me because of what Jesus has done for me. And he renders a verdict that is eternally binding that says, I am declaring Jeremy righteous in all of existence. Now that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I become righteous and I don't sin anymore. That's not what that means. I still need a lot of help. But what that means is where it really matters, in God's eyes, I am no longer guilty. I no longer have shame. I'm no longer displeasing to God. I'm no longer wrong. Can you imagine that? I'm no longer wrong. You say, good grief, that must be an eternal work. It is. That doesn't mean that I don't make the mistakes, sin, transgressions, and still do wrong. That happens because I've been programmed by this world to keep trying to live that way. Guess what? God wants to save me from that crap. Can I say crap on Sunday? Some people don't handle crap very well. That's okay. 
Well, you need a mask, Jay. Somebody get him a mask. Because I need to be redeemed from that stuff. Think about it. All of these lofty aspirations and dreams and things that we invest in and hobbies that control our life and our money and our pocketbook and our attitude and all of these things. Where in the world does that lead? What gate of satisfaction do we reach where we go, ha, yes, made it. You realize one of the greatest discouragements that professional athletes ever feel in their life is after they win the world championship. You win the Super Bowl, give them a day. Yeah. It's kind of like when they asked Tom Brady, which Super Bowl is your favorite? He said the next one. You already got so many rings, man. What's wrong with that? Never satisfied. There's something that it never quenches. I got to keep going and going. He retired for two months. Came back. Couldn't handle it. There's something in us that we constantly pour the world into that cannot satisfy. Our problem is, ultimately, spiritually, we may not realize this, but the reason why we have such confusion about all these areas and the reason why we have such dissatisfaction with where we are in life when we're by ourselves, thinking on our own, with our own quiet minds, trying to be quiet for the first time, is we recognize my problem is, is I've got a fracture with God who created all things. Jesus comes in as my solution, deals with the things that I don't even know that I've done, on the cross and dies for them and pays for them when he did nothing wrong. And then he is raised by God for my, yours, ours justification. Which means that Jesus can now stand and say, you're not guilty. You're free. You can go now and you can live a life that you never could have lived before. It's bringing us into a right standing we are acquitted of all wrongdoing a pastor friend of mine dennis roxer he pastors up at duluth bible church he wrote this our lord's resurrection acts as the canceled check that our sin debt to god was paid in full by the savior and accepted in the bank of heaven if jesus didn't do a good job is god going to give him life and raise him from the dead no so this has got God's stamp of approval all over it. But here's the thing. It goes deeper. It goes more. Here's the reason why. I had to write it out because I was freaking out, okay? If I've been acquitted by God and he's declared me righteous in his sight, and if I have no spot, if I have no blemish, if I have no wrinkle, if I have no issue anymore with him, if there's no more friction in our relationship, if I have no stain, if I have no shame, if I have no guilt with the only opinion that will ever matter for all eternity anymore, then I must have been vacated from my original position. How can you look at someone who keeps sinning and keeps committing transgressions they don't even know about and still declare them righteous. I don't know if you know this, but if you're a believer in Christ, you've moved. Your old real estate is not up for sale. It's been condemned. It's not any good for anything. It's what the Bible calls the old man, the old self, or the flesh. And it's done. can do nothing. I've been vacated from my previous position. Now that's really good, because truth be told, I don't like me much anyway. Some of you don't either. 
And that's okay. Because you're, who you're seeing is not who I really am. I've been vacated from my original position in life, and I've been moved into a brand new location where God will see me this way always. There's never a time for the rest of history, even beyond when this world passes away and burns up, where God will ever see me as not righteous in his sight. That's how much he loves me. He loved me enough to give the trade-off of his son in order to draw me to himself so that he could see me as righteous in his sight always, even though I'm not. He's given me a new standing in life. Not just life here. Life eternal. He's promised it. He raised his son to guarantee it. He has been fully satisfied by the work of Jesus. And so if I come to him and try to pay anything so that he'll accept me, that's actually an insult. Why? You've already been paid for. You're already bought. You're already free. Now watch how this moves forward. Therefore, what's that there for? Because he's been delivered up for the sins I don't even know that I've done, and because he declares me righteous... And his resurrection, I mean, you've got to have a living person in order to, to be able to take care of you, yes? Okay. He's actually put me in a brand new place. I don't live in that old apartment anymore. I'm now residing in a mansion forever. Okay? Therefore, because of that fact, look what he says. Having been justified, past deal, took place at a moment in history, instantaneous. How? By faith let's explain faith for just a second because this is the key of how all this happens it is having a full conviction that what jesus has done for you is true it's not just saying you know what i think jesus is a pretty good guy he is a good guy your opinion doesn't matter on that one you say hey i think god loves me you're right he does what he really wants to know is do you understand that when you deserve to die for your sin i removed you out of the direction of the firing squad, and I placed my son where you should have stood. Do you recognize that you've been substituted? Do you recognize that you were allowed to go free because all of your debt and punishment was paid for in one person? Now here's how cool Jesus is. I got a lot of sin. I probably got a lot of transgression, I would imagine. I would imagine however much sin we have, we have much more transgression that we don't know about. In fact, I think if we knew the full capacity of just how, what stinkers we are, I think we'd all have a heart attack and fall over probably. I think we would be so overcome by the depths of darkness that reside in us. But here's the amazing thing that he does. I'll take it. I won't just take yours. I'll take yours, 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 yours. And he goes through every person who has ever lived for all of history from the very beginning of time to the end. And he dies for everyone. Which means that salvation is now an equal playing field. But in order to appropriate that, there has to be a conviction about whether or not you believe that's true. That Jesus died in your place and rose from the grave. Is it true? Did it really happen? Now, a week or so ago, 
We had evangelism training. We talked about what it is to share our faith with people. What it is to tell them about what Jesus has done for them. All of you are right now a captive audience hearing this now. And I'm grateful for that. And then the next day, in children's church, Amy Clark was teaching on Palm Sunday. And she was talking about the fact that Jesus had to die for sins. Thank you. Thank you. Because then I hear through the grapevine that there were some questions asked that night by a little boy. Cameron Latini was getting ready for bed. And he started talking to his mom and dad about this whole situation of Jesus dying for sins. It's all starting to click for him. He's six years old. He looks at his mom and says, Mom, I don't want to go to hell. Good conclusion for a six-year-old. Jay, I wish you'd get that. Sam, you need to go talk to Cameron. And she sat down and she used the training that we went through, the bad news, good news approach. And Amy and Tyler led him to faith in Christ. Fantastic. You sit there and you go to evangelism training, you think, when am I ever going to use this with somebody? You use it with your family. You use it with your kids. Why? Because they have transgressions too. And Jesus died for them too. Happens one way and one way only. By faith. Now, here's the clincher that gets us, man. Look what it says. Having been justified by faith, we have what is it? Oh, stop. What? Hold on. Let me read my list again. When we're confused about money, advice, drugs, sex, gender, sports, social media, parenting, children, war, sanctions, choosing sides, supporting causes, education, and reality, God is going to make a claim in his word that was written 1,700, 2,000 years ago that is going to let us know there's peace. Are you sure? Because Fox ain't giving me peace. CNN's not giving me peace. No one out there is offering peace. No one's talking about peace. Anything that people try to project as peace ends up being a false peace. It ends up being a peace where there's abuse that happens in the midst of it trying to take advantage of other people based on their goodwill. Why? Because there's something deep inside of all of us that cries out for peace. And we look at the situation and we say, I just want peace. We talked to Vitaly on the phone. He's telling me about how people are scarred, bleeding, dead, everywhere in Ukraine. And you can tell his heart's crying out for peace. You're watching your child grow up as a teenager. You recognize that your relationship with him is terrible. You say, what in the world can I do? What you're doing is you're longing for peace. Every time you're reaching in that medicine cabinet or buying something off of somebody in order to tank yourself fuller so you'll have less consciousness, you're dying for peace. Anytime you're on the prowl to look for somebody to hate. Because that's what the world's conditioned us to do. Who can I hate now? Let's get somebody in our crosshair so that we can hate them. You're crying out for peace. I don't know if you recognize what just happened in chapter 5, verse 1, but when you walk out of here, it ought to be your most favorite verse in the whole world. Here's the reason why. Having been justified by faith, so God declares me righteous, and I don't have any friction with him anymore. Look what it says. We, thank God for the word, we. We have peace with God through, 
It's got to come from somewhere. Our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't just need Him to die for you. You need Him him to be living and advocating for you. Speaking on your behalf. Standing in your stead. And giving you a brand new location to live. Why? Because that's the only place where peace exists. It doesn't exist anywhere outside of the realm of Jesus Christ. You can meditate all day long. You can blind your mind by binge watching series all day long. You can roll yourself some doobies and smoke it up. I don't care. You're not finding any peace. Here's what you are doing. Subduing reality. If I just don't think about it, maybe it's not really there. Maybe it'll be better once I come down off this high. Guess what? It ends up being way worse than what you were imagining. Because you can't find peace. Because you're doing everything you can to scramble for peace. Guess what? Jesus Christ is our peace. I don't know how else it gets supplied. Except for a means outside of me. And if this world is tainted with sin, it's got to get peace supplied from outside of it. Something eternal has to invade the tainted and wash it clean. That's Jesus Christ. Dying for sins. And death can't keep him down. So he raises from the grave. Guess what? He lives now. Put that in your Far Eastern religion and smoke it. It's all about worshiping dead people. There is no other living Savior on behalf of people who requires nothing from them and doing all the work for them except Jesus Christ. In Him is peace alone. You know what that tells me? It tells me that every believer in Jesus Christ, regardless of the confusion and the garbage that you see throughout life, already has victory. It's already a possession. You say, man, I don't feel very victorious. Have you lost sight of the cross? Have we lost sight of the empty tomb? Have we lost sight that nobody can produce a body? Have we lost sight that over 500 people saw him walking around well after his crucifixion? Have we lost sight that the fact that Josephus, a historian during that time, who was a pagan, he didn't even believe in Christ whatsoever, wrote in his book, Antiquities on History, and said, and Jesus, the Christ who was risen from the dead. You got unsaved people talking about him rising from the dead. That's not a fact that can be disputed. Here's the thing, the resurrection is not stuck in history past. It matters now. Why? Because if you don't have peace, you need Christ. If you walk out of this door and you have not believed in him, you don't have to walk an aisle. Our aisles aren't that magical. You either believe or you don't. You're either convinced it's true or you're not. But right now is the day of salvation for you. If you are lost, you need to believe in Christ. Because I guarantee you this. You step out into this world, away from this building. Ask yourself the question. Where's peace? What do I have to live for? What is the meaning of life? If everybody's going to let me down and it's all tainted by sin. Those are real questions. Only God gives you the real answer. 
to the believers, do we live like people who have been given eternal victory? In Christ, you now have an endless wellspring of peace. You're either drawing off of it or you're not. I tell you this. God wanted to say something to us that left an impression. And it wasn't just that he gave us his word. He raised his son. And he said, here he is. Believe in him. Let's pray. Father, only you can raise the dead to life. Only you can allow something like that to happen. And peace is found nowhere else. This world's not offering it. Politicians are not negotiating for it. War is not bringing it. Drugs are not causing it. Sex is not producing it. Money could never buy it. Peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, God, our world is so confused. Our world is so acting, living, thinking backwards from anything that you've ever structured in life. Most of all, it has no answers. Thank you, Father, that you've given the answer in the person of your son, Jesus. Father, we got decisions to make, things to think through, but we cannot walk out of these doors more ignorant than what we came in. We can't afford it. Eternity is so long. Our life is so short. So I pray, God, give us wisdom today to claim Christ as our peace. 